Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. I am very passionate about operations and taking anything we can that is operationally oriented and turning it into automation. Anytime you have more than one individual touching something, keying something, passing something from one system to another, anytime there's human interaction, there's a high probability that there will be a mistake. And if that is a repetitive motion where you're taking something and you're keying it into one system and then you're keying it into another system and then keying it into another system, the opportunity for error goes up dramatically. That was Kevin Smith, the CEO of Secure Bank Card, and he is our special guest this week. This is episode 69 of the Leaders in Payments podcast, and I'm your host, Greg Myers. And hey, before we get started, if you happen to office in Houston, Austin, or North Texas, check out Fuse Workspace, where their mission is to help others do more. Check them out at FuseWorkspace.com. Okay, back to the show. Kevin grew up in a small town in East Texas and joined the Marine Corps right out of high school. After the Marines, he joined a small ISO in Irvine, California, before making his way to Atlanta, Georgia, that he now calls home. Secure Bank Card has built its own in-house portfolio management platform. Their customers can customize statements, adjust billing schemas, and create unique offerings in the market. They have between 22 and 23 million in annual revenue and process payments for roughly 3,500 merchants. They focus mainly on e-commerce, but they really provide solutions based on their customers' needs, and their customers are typically other ISOs. According to Kevin, one of the payment trends he sees in the next few years is the continued push for compliance and risk mitigation, especially as real-time payments become a standard way of doing business. Kevin has a passion for automating processes within his business, and on the personal side, he has a passion for cars. He also provides some great advice for those just joining our industry. We've got a great episode this week, so let's get started. Hi, Kevin. Thank you for being here, and welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast. Well, Greg, thank you very much for having me today. It's a great pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to talking to you and discussing where we're going and what we're doing. Okay, sounds great. So let's dive right in. Tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, where you currently live, a few things like that. I grew up in East Texas, a little town called Longview, Texas, and graduated high school in 1986, many, many moons ago. And at that time, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, instead of doing like most and going to college, I went to the School of Hard Knocks and went in the Marine Corps for four years. And after doing that, I stumbled and fumbled and bumbled my way into the payment space. I got out of the Marine Corps in 1990 and started working for a small ISO out in Irvine, California. Actually answered an ad in the paper to do data entry for a small ISO by the name of Bank Card Systems and have been in the space ever since. Okay. And you're currently living where? We currently live in Alpharetta, Georgia. Thank you for your service. Well, thank you. Let's talk about the company, Secure Bank Card, a little bit. So tell us what exactly Secure Bank Card does. 
Well, Secure Bank Card is kind of an evolution in the ISO processing business. One of the things that we've done at Secure Bank Card, instead of just being an ISO and reselling a product like everyone else does for either First Data or for Tesis or one of the other large processing platforms, what we've done is Secure Bank Card has built its own in-house portfolio management product. This allows us to go to market and provide to our clients things that normally are unavailable because generally most of the things that ISOs do, such as billing and customer service and terminal deployment and things like that, are generally outsourced. And we've taken a different approach. What we do is we insource all of those items instead of outsourcing them so that whenever a merchant or an ISO is reselling our products, they're able to customize their statements. They're able to adjust billing schemas so that they're doing something that's different and unique in the marketplace today. Okay, and how big is the company? We're relatively small. I don't want to say that we're tiny, but we're relatively small. Today we have oh, about $22, 23000000 million in uh, revenue, annual revenue. We process for approximately 3,500 merchants and process about uh, 50 to $52 million a month in credit card volume. Okay. Are there specific verticals or markets that you serve? We're more specific in the e-commerce space than we are the retail space. But to say that we're in a particular vertical, I think, would not be correct because what we do is we're trying to provide solutions for our customers, which we don't view the merchants to be our customers. We view our ISOs and sales organizations that we represent as our customers. And so we truly are not in any particular vertical. What we try to do is adjust what the product and service that we're providing to the ISO at the ISO level so that we can support whatever vertical is their niche. Okay, gotcha. And so over the past year of COVID, there's been a macro trend of so much more business going online. Have you seen that in your business as well? We have. A lot of companies in our industry experienced large drops in revenue, large drops in processing volume. We actually had the best month we've ever had last month in the month of January of 2021. We had a small dip early in March, but were quickly recovered and back to pre-COVID volumes and revenues by the end of April. What do you think really drove that? Just the move to e-commerce? I think generally... We have approximately 50% of our MIDs are in retail space and 50% are in e-commerce, but a predominance of our volume is from our e-commerce business. So with that in mind, we also partnered with several organizations that provided food delivery services, and we actually saw that market expand dramatically which uh, assisted us in a quick and fast recovery because we were able to quickly adjust and modify what we were doing to assist and grow that space. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's a, uh, a good niche to be in these days. It's similar to being in the restaurant space. It's generally a lower risk environment, but it was a customer demanded need out in the public during the COVID environment. and. We were very fortunate to have been in that area 
easily able to adjust to allow that we and provide for our customers certain things that provided them better reporting, better online tools so that they could adapt and adjust that to become a leader in that space. Yeah. So what would you say differentiates your company from your competitors? The main differentiator for us is our portfolio management product that we developed in-house. It's called Pioneer. What Pioneer allows us to do, instead of outsourcing our statement generation, instead of outsourcing our billing and our billing schemas to a total systems or to a first data, we do all of that in-house by taking in all of the information from the processor, in turn, creating our own quasi backend. So what we do is we bring in that data, we're able to manipulate that data, provide that data in a fast, quick, and easily viewable scenario so that merchants and our ISOs can go online and do things that are different than what has been traditionally done in our business. If you want to price things differently or you have a different way that you want to bill your merchants, that's where we excel. Because we have the capability to adjust and adapt, we can do that. Whereas if you go to one of the large processors and say, hey, I've got a new and exciting way I want to bill my merchants, they generally say that's fantastic. But unfortunately, that's not how we do things here and you need to get back into the box. We try to do things outside of the box. Just because everyone did it this way yesterday does not mean that's how we need to do it today. What led you to creating that? The exact same scenario that I just discussed. We had come up with a new idea on how to provide billing and bill our processing in a way that was different than what was in the market. We went to our large processor, who we will not name, but we went to them and said, hey, we've come up with this neat idea. We think this is new and different. This is something that could separate us from everyone else. How would we go about implementing that? And they said, that's an absolutely wonderful idea. We love what you're doing, Kevin. That is new and ingenious and different. Unfortunately, that's not how our billing system works, and we're not going to be able to implement that for you. So taking that, we turned right around and said, well, how do we do it? What would be required for us to build that out and handle those types of things in-house? Okay. And then your ISO customers pay, is it a monthly fee for access to that? Well, it's up to the ISO. So what we do is if you are a customer of Secure Bank Card, you're given this product and this service as part of your portfolio management so that you have access to it. And it's all part of the product that we provide. It's not generally something that we charge more for. It's just this is part of the service that we provide to our customers. Okay. Okay. Well, where do you see the payments industry as a whole headed in the next, say, two to three years? One of the things that we've seen over the last several years that continues to increase is the level of oversight and the level of compliance that's coming into our industry. As we're starting to see PCI getting pushed further and further, not so much down to the merchants, but it's becoming more the responsibility of the gateways and the terminals and the service providers to meet those requirements, taking it away from the merchant and putting it on those other organizations. It's a way for the card associations and the acquiring institutions to insulate themselves by making their requirements tighter and the oversight tighter and the compliance tighter by continuing to have these types of 
audits, so to speak. I think that's one of the things we're going to continue to see in our industry is I think as you become a registered ISO, you're going to start having stricter, tighter, and more in-depth compliance requirements that are going to be placed on your organization. I would agree with that. That seems to definitely be a trend. Well, if you were to pull out the crystal ball and look at the payments industry in the next 10 years, what do you think is going to be some of the trends that we see longer term? Well, I think some of the trends you're going to see, as we just discussed, are going to be this compliance evolution. I think you're going to continue to see organizations pushing for faster and faster ways of payments. So, in other words, i.e., Today, most organizations utilize either regular ACH, which pays in 24 hours, or you're starting to see the evolution of same-day ACH into our environment, which allows an organization such as ourselves to send out a payment this morning via an ACH vehicle that we've all used and are familiar with in the past, but the transaction then in turn is funded on that same day to the merchant. But what I think we're going to start seeing is we're going to start seeing more things like push to card so that merchants are funded via a card or a prepaid debit card or prepaid visa card, something along those means. I think we'll continue to see new and evolving ways to move the funds from the time of the sale to the merchant in a faster manner. And that will continue to evolve. The question then becomes, As we do that, how do you monetize your risk associated with making sure the payments are going out quickly, but that you're still allowed the amount of time needed to do the review and do the insight and oversight of the transaction in question, make sure that it's good before the merchant receives the payment? Yeah, that's interesting because you hear about the one side, right? Make it faster and easier, but you often don't hear about the other side. What risks come with that, right? So you you bring up a good point there. As we have watched the evolution of next day funding over the past five, seven, ten years, and we're starting to come up with ways to provide that same speed of a next day funding, but without the pre-funding of transactions from the processor or from the acquiring institution. It's always dangerous and it's always, you know, it raises the hair on the back of your neck when you try to pay somebody before you're getting paid and trying to figure out ways to make that work without exposing yourself to the liability associated with either A, not being able to recover the funds if there is an issue, or B, Finding out that you paid somebody today for something you were expecting this afternoon and the funds never come in this afternoon. Any other macro trends you see coming? I think those are the interesting ones that we're keeping an eye on. You know, obviously, because we do our own merchant funding and we take the transactions because we're handling all of the billing and we're handling all of the statementing, et cetera, and we're creating the ACH and paying the merchants instead of having a processor do that. We're very cognizant of what is going on around us and trying to make sure that we're doing everything we can to make sure that those payments are not only correct and accurate, but that they're safe. They're safe for everyone involved, not just the merchant, but also the acquirer and for us. Hey, everyone. As you know, I've worked in the payment space for a long time. 
A lot has changed over the years, and we talk about those changes a good bit on the show. But some things in this industry never change. For example, attrition is always a concern, and so is your bottom line. And PCI noncompliance fees will always be a part of the industry, driving that bottom line, but also keeping us up at night, worrying about that attrition, especially when the inevitable PCI noncompliance fee hike is underway. That's why I'm excited to bring in Company.com as a sponsor. Right when you're increasing fees, give your merchants something of value too. The Company.com security suite is the perfect way to add value by offering a real-time security dashboard with antivirus, expert tech support, anti-phishing software, dark web scanning, and more. Company.com offers various product assortments and solutions that have proven to reduce merchant attrition for years now, and this new security suite that complements your current PCI program will be a game-changer for you. Learn more at www.company.com or email securitysuite at company-corp.com. The link is also on our website. And now back to my interview with Kevin Smith, the CEO of Secure Bank Card. Well, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about you. Tell us about your journey to your role there as the CEO of Secure Bank Card. As we talked earlier, I stumbled into this business answering an ad in the paper to do data entry for an ISO in Southern California in 1990. It's interesting and always fun to look back at what was going on at that time and kind of reflect on what's going on now. You know, that was the days of everyone was converting from looking up transactions in a paper book to make sure they were good to electronic authorization. We look back at that and we think, wow, how archaic was that? It's really, truly amazing how far we've come and the technology, how it's changed. I worked there for that ISO for several years until I went to work for a company called Concord EFS. Concord EFS was a major player in the supermarket business and in the petroleum business. And I ran the ISO business for Concord EFS for several years up until the early 2000s, at which time I transitioned into what we call the dark side. I went from being on the corporate Concord EFS acquiring side to the dark side and starting our own ISO. So I started an ISO with a couple of friends of mine called Pipeline Data. We ran Pipeline Data, started that from the ground up and ran Pipeline Data until about 2009, in which we sold that to Comvest Investments, at which time I stayed on with Comvest and worked with them to help grow and build back a piece of property that they had bought out of bankruptcy, which was Synergy Data. After doing that for a couple of years, decided it was time to go out on my own and try it on my own. And so that's where we started Secure Bank Guard. Started that in 2011, and we've been slowly growing organically ever since. Okay. How did you get from California to Atlanta? After working in California for several years for a small ISO, I was given the opportunity to move to Atlanta and work for the front-end authorization network Bypass. I was there for a very brief period of time. I think it was approximately 90 days before Bypass was acquired by Concord EFS. And when Bypass was acquired by Concord EFS, my role became to help Concord develop, build out, roll out, and become a major ISO player, which we did. And from 1998 until 2002, that was one of the most enjoyable roles I have ever had. 
It's fascinating to hear people's journey, especially people who've been in the payment space. And some of the names that you remember hearing from the past is always kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. It's always fun. It's amazing how things have changed. You know, we have, you know, payment tech. I remember when payment tech was Ginsar. (laughs) Yeah. Named after Bip and Shaw's two daughters, Sarah and Jennifer. <laughs> yeah, a lot of cool stories like that, which I guess, you know, exist today, maybe with these younger fintech companies. We just haven't heard those stories yet. And I'm sure we'll be reflecting back on those in 10 or 15 or 20 years. Oh, I'm sure you're correct. Well, what's something that you're passionate about? You know, maybe one thing business related and one thing personal. Well, one of the things business related that I'm extremely passionate about is obviously, as we've built out Pioneer and built out this portfolio management product that we utilize today to run Secure Bank Card, I am very passionate about operations and taking anything we can that is operationally oriented and turning it into automation. Anytime you have more than one individual touching something, keying something, passing something from one system to another, Anytime there's human interaction, there's a high probability that there will be a mistake. And if that is a repetitive motion where you're taking something and you're keying it into one system and then you're keying it into another system and then keying it into another system, every time you rekey that, the opportunity for error goes up dramatically. So I'm very passionate about taking things like that, automating those things so that there's as little human interaction in a process as can possibly be. That's my huge passion. And that's one of the things that we've done with our system here is we've truly automated everything from the point of the merchant filling out an application online to having very little interaction with that other than to go in and review and literally click a button that says, move it to the next step so that there's not a chance for that to be miskeyed or miscommunicated or anything along those lines. And it goes literally from application to underwriting, to boarding, to processing, to risk management, to merchant payments, and automating everything in between. Okay. What about your passion on the personal side? On the personal side, I'm an absolute car nut. I cannot get enough of cars. I cannot get around enough cars. I can't see enough cars. I can't drive enough cars. And I've done everything in that environment that I possibly could from doing lots of autocross and classic car racing to trying to maintain and manage and take care of my own automobiles. That's one of my greatest passions outside of work. I wish I had more time to do that. That passion come at an early age? Were you a a kid who just fell in love with cars? I was. And unfortunately, my father would not let me have anything that was able to have a speed in excess of probably about 40 or 50 miles an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Which, like everyone else, the more you take something away from someone, the more desire they have to have it. So that was truly my experiences. My first car when I was a kid was a 1977 International Scout. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. And it was a wonderful car. You could run it into anything and it would not do any damage to it. But unfortunately, that car got up to about 50 miles an hour and it felt like it was going to come apart at the seams. (laughs) 
And I wanted, like every other teenager in the 80s, I wanted a Z28 Camaro or I wanted a Trans Am. And there was no way in the world my father was going to let me have something like that. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I'm not necessarily a car guy, but I certainly remember the good old days when cars were built much differently than they are today. Much easier to work on. Could do a lot of the maintenance yourself. Yep. Absolutely. Look, don't kid yourself. Cars are like anything else. They're like horses. And those people that have the passion for horses understand exactly what I'm saying. It requires an endless money supply. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is definitely true. That's an expensive hobby. I fell into the payment space back in 2005 at Chase Payment Tech here in Dallas. And, you know, I asked this question a lot because times have really changed since then in a lot of different ways. And one specifically is I didn't seek out payments as an industry that was like, oh, this great industry called payments. I want to be a part of it. I just sort of fell into it. But today it's a lot different. Kids can go to college. They can take classes in fintech. They can learn about payments and obviously technology become a huge part of what we call payments now. And I like to hear people's thoughts on, you know, if a kid's coming out of college and they're looking in the payments industry or fintech, what advice would you give them so that when they come into this industry that they would be successful? I had stated earlier, I'm kind of an operations nerd. My background has always been operations. I've always enjoyed numbers and working with numbers and things such as that. And I really believe that in our industry, it requires patience to learn it and learn it well. And you need to learn it from the inside out. And what I mean by that is we all want to be in sales because that's where the big money is. And the sales guy always drives the nice car, has the fancy pants clothes, and gets to go and do all the dinners with everyone and have so much fun with that. But what people forget is sales is very much a what did you do for me today business. And if you're unable to maintain that sales productivity, you're going to find yourself looking for a new sales job. I have found those that want to move into the sales space, the best place to start is in the trenches operationally. Start out learning how does the transaction work? How does customer service answer questions? How do merchants read their statements? What makes up profitability? Because if I know what makes up profitability and I understand the components of profitability, I can build more margin in the deals that I'm selling from a sales perspective. Therefore, in turn, making me a more valuable salesperson to the company. I always recommend start almost as low as you can. I hate to say that, and I know most people don't want to do that these days. They want to just go straight up to the top. You need to start out and you need to learn the business from the basics. And that truly does mean getting into the trenches, learning customer service, learning risk, learning finance, learning the operational background. Because if you have the operational background, you can then choose to go either the sales route or the operations route and can be successful on either side. Obviously, some great advice. And you're right. I think a lot of people coming out of school, just uh, they're ready to be the CEO. And uh, there's a lot to this industry. There's a lot behind the scenes to understand and learn. So I think that's some great advice. Kevin, we've covered a lot of ground about both your company and you and your 
you know, position there and the industry. So is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? I would just like to once again, thank you, Greg, for the time and the opportunity today to sit down and have a conversation. If there's anyone that would like to get a hold of us and talk to us, I can be reached directly at kevin.smith at securebandcard.com. Or I can be reached directly on my direct line phone, which is one of the things that I am very adamant about in our organization. Everyone has to answer the phone and everyone has to have a direct line and everybody has to pick up the phone. So I can be reached at 678-261-7679. Okay. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for being on the show. I know your time is very valuable, so I appreciate you being here. Thanks again, Greg. I appreciate it. All right. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for joining us this week on the Leaders in Payments podcast. Make sure you visit our website at leadersinpayments.com, where you can subscribe to the show and where you'll find our show notes. If you enjoyed listening, please share on your social channels as well.